welcome. This is a message from Victory Church. We trust you'll be inspired and encouraged by today's message. And uh, you know, we've already heard a little bit about Keith Urban this morning, and I think now that's a reflection of the fact that we appreciate excellence, don't we? If you're anything like me, you love it when you know, the tennis was on recently or when the Olymp- Olympics are on or, or when there's any sort of sport at, at a high level, there's something about seeing people who have given their life over to something and their whole body is, is geared towards and tuned up for competing or doing something at the highest level. I love that. And I love seeing records being broken. I love seeing the, you know, the, the barriers being pushed and all of that sort of thing. Likewise, I love seeing people who are good at their trade. And if you've ever watched a good tradesperson, it's like their, their tools are simply an extension of their body. They're just, they're just excellent at what they do. And that's a, a treat to behold, honestly. And I think that's probably something of what Paul had in mind or was hoping for when he penned these words, or at least dictated these words, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Verse 12 through to 26, I'm going to read it, and now it's the message I'm talking, or the message this morning is entitled, The Body. Okay, The Body, and Paul is talking about the body here. He says, The body is a unit, though it is made up of many parts, and though all of its parts are many, they form one body, and so it is with Christ. For we are all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and we're all given the one spirit to drink. Now the body is not made up of one part, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be a part of the body. And if the ear should say, uh, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. Paul's trying to drive home a point, I think. (laughs) The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honourable, we treat with special honour. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has combined the members of the body and has given greater honour to the parts that lacked it so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honoured, every part rejoices with it. And so we started with this idea of an elite sports person or a master tradesman or a great singer or whatever it is. And it's, it's kind of, it's about a body that's united. It's about a body that is focused and working together towards one end. And I think that was what, Paul's, what Paul had in mind when he wrote those words. The reality, however, sometimes looks a little bit more like what we're about to see on the screen. So if we could turn our eyes to the screen, that would be great. Now, my intention isn't to be rude or, or, you know, irreligious or controversial, but I think the point that that makes is probably greater than what Jim Carrey just said. The body of Christ is intended to be a, a beautiful representation of who Jesus himself is 
We are his physical presence on the earth today. And yet when we consider how the church, be it the universal church and it's, you know, um, the way that relates, or be it local churches and the way Christians often relate to it, it, it often looks like that, doesn't it? You know, we're, we're hurting one another, we're, we're mistreating ourselves and doing crazy stuff when really we're called to be one body. And so I want to have a look at this this morning because the body, it presents amazing opportunity. This truth, this fact of the fact that we are called into one body, into partnership together in the name of Jesus, presents amazing opportunities, but at the same time, it comes with massive challenges, as you would know if you've been a Christian for more than five minutes. And so um, I want to have a look at some of those challenges and some of those opportunities this morning. Okay, three of them, in fact. And so the first thing I want to have a look at is that just the challenge and the opportunity that is presented by the diversity in the body. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 14, which I've already read, says, Now the body is made up of, sorry, is not made up of one part, but of many. The foot should, should say, or if the foot should say, Because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be a part of the body. But in fact, God has arranged parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. Now, as I was thinking about that, you know, like I said, the, the opportunities are immense. There's opportunities for us in our diversity um, to reach out further than we could ever do if we were all the same, if we were, you know, all uniform. We can reach out further into this hurting world because of our diversity. There's greater opportunity for connection. There's greater opportunity for the, for the type and the scope and the volume of ministry that we as a church are able to provide because of our diversity. That's the opportunity. The challenge is the fact that, you know, because of our diversity, our difference, is that we can tend to get a little bit, you know, looking sideways and comparing ourselves to this person or comparing ourselves to that person. And, you know, when we compare with some, we feel great about ourselves, perhaps better about ourselves than we ought to. And sometimes we compare ourselves with others and we feel, you know, bad about ourselves and we feel inferior and we feel like I'm not needed here, I don't belong, what could I possibly offer? And, and that, so that's the challenge. Okay, is to, is to do away with those comparisons. And interestingly, when I was preparing for this, you know, a very strange thing happened. Because I was reading about the foot, that it should not say, you know, you know, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body. And I felt at that very moment, my, my foot offered my hand a challenge. <laughs> That's it. My foot had the audacity, possibly the stupidity, but to offer my hand a challenge. So I thought, well... I don't think you're being very wise about this. It could be embarrassing, but because the challenge was there, we have to put this thing to rest. Because, you know, like, I'm a tech studies teacher. My hands do a lot. And as you know, I was, you know, preparing messages. And the foot was getting jealous. The foot was just sitting there up on the, on the you know, and, and he thought, anything the hand can do, I can do better. And so, you know, I thought, well, there's no point just arguing about this. Um, let's, let's put it to the test. And so I've got some... some I'm going to do this. So, excuse me just for one moment. Now, I don't know about you, but just right up front, I mean, hands generally look better than feet. I think hands get a bit easier than feet. It's pretty warm in there, a little bit smelly. And, you know, you've got a few little marks on the edge of my foot there from rubbing against the shoe and, you know, shoes and feet can get a little bit blistered, a little bit callous. So I can understand that they may maybe feel a little bit hard done by compared to the hand that's, you know, pretty loud and proud and gets involved in pretty much everything. So 
And, you know, look, it seems to be a hands world, really. I mean, no problem at all. <laughs> I mean, I could, if I wanted to, I could, I could almost, maybe. I won't, Benno. And Benno's getting a sweat breaking out on his brow there. But, you know, there's lots of things I could, I could dismantle or build using this, this tool here, okay? So no problem at all with my hand. Very easy. Okay, buddy, your turn. Um, maybe, maybe if we, can, if we can bring things close enough, the foot could do something. But in terms of actually, you know, and imagine I could actually lift this, then I've actually got to get somewhere to use the drill. So, okay, but maybe it's just the drill. I know what we'll do. Oh, yeah. I'm not putting my foot anywhere near that. Save that for later. The point is that there's massive differences between different parts of the body. And if it comes to doing some things, the hand has got it all over the foot. But the reality is, without the foot, my body would really struggle. You know, I did a kitchen renovation recently with some friends of mine, and the reality is the hands did a whole bunch of work, but it was the feet that carried me into and out of the shed on numerous occasions. It was the feet that helped me climb a ladder to get to places that were hard to reach and all of that sort of thing. So this diversity in my body... And there's difference, and there's perhaps, you know, some, uh, you know, some parts of the body seem to get it a little bit harder than others. Some parts seem to get a little bit easier. Some parts seem to be a little bit more gifted. Uh, you know, the, the hand is certainly far more dexterous than the foot. And so it's involved in far more things for, for most of the time. And, so the, and there are other parts of my body which, you know, get no glory, get no mention, get no honour, aren't even seen. And, you know, I, I don't know how often they get used, but, you know, sometimes... Because they're part of the body, they, they, they need to be there. Because God designed us, and He designed everything with purpose. And so, likewise in the church, you know, every one of us is designed by God with different capabilities, different abilities, different capacities. And you know, the challenge for us is to find our place in the body where we can fulfill the purpose that God has for us. And I know the moment I begin to talk like that, you know, some people are just saying, well, you know, I just feel like Jesus' appendix right now. You know, the appendix is something you can rip out, throw away, and it doesn't seem to have any effect on the body. Well, the good news for you is that I just thought I've got to check this out. And recently they have started to, they've discovered that and, and are believing that the appendix actually is necessary in the body. Which again, because of my Christian worldview, I have no problem with that. I think God doesn't just, you know, design junk. The fact it's in the body suggests that God designed it with a purpose. If you have an evolutionary worldview, you, I guess you could be convinced to believe that you know, it's, it's an appendage that we no longer need, but I don't believe that. And so they're saying that basically the appendix is, it seems like it's a storehouse or a safe house for good bacteria. And so that if your body has a dose of the squirts, or you know, diarrhea or whatever, um, and everything gets flushed out, the appendix actually is a storehouse for, for, and, and can kind of like reboot your, re, your, your digestive system. Okay, and so for those people that have had their appendix out, they did some tests, and that, you know, it took twice as long for them to recover um, from those sort of things as it did for people that, that had their appendix, which again makes total sense to me. 
Okay, so there's a part for all of us. It might not be obvious at first, but the challenge, I think, for all of us is to recognize that there is purpose in our diversity. And if we will hang around long enough and we will ask God long enough and we'll connect well enough that we will ultimately find our purpose for this life and our place in the body of Christ. Okay, it makes sense? Excellent, excellent. And so it's not about how, how flamboyant we are. It's not about how, how gifted we are. It doesn't matter how much we offer or how often we offer what we have to give. And it's just about being there. And it's about finding our place and recognizing that there is purpose in our diversity. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you feel you bring to the table, whether you're very gifted or not so gifted. Because you know, the good thing is that the Bible talks about the fact that you know, God treats us according to our giftings. And the level of responsibility, the level of expectation is, is greater or lesser depending on what we come into this world with. And so God doesn't have the same expectations and, and in a sense the same pressure to perform on those that have fewer giftings as he does on those that have greater giftings. Okay, so it's tremendously fair. And I love that. So that's the first thing that we need to understand. There's diversity in the body of Christ and it should be a blessing. We don't need to compare ourselves. We just need to be thankful and grateful for who we are and seek God to, to work out how we can best serve him in our diversity. That's the first thing. Our second thing I want to have a look at is the idea of dependence. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the heart, or the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And so when we're talking about dependence, if we're talking opportunities, you know, the, the opportunity of our dependence, I guess, is that we can, if we recognize that we are dependent upon one another and we choose to work that out, we will discover that amazing thing called synergy. You know, the whole thing that says together everybody achieves more. We get more together done as a team than we do the sum total of our individual efforts. Okay, so we can discover that. We can discover, um, if we understand that we're dependent upon each other, that we can discover appreciation for one another. Okay, the challenge is, though, that we are geared towards independence. We're geared towards doing our own thing and, I guess, pushing people aside and thinking, I'll do it on my own, thank you very much. Um, and we're geared towards, I guess, not trusting and all of those sorts of things. So the challenge for us is to appreciate one another, is to work out how to work together, be dependent upon one another, and to trust one another. Um, you know, Romans chapter 12, verse 5, says, quoted this um, a couple of weeks ago in our prayer meeting, it spoke about the, the beauty of the fact that we actually belong to one another. We belong to one That is a massive, massive statement. And what it tells me is this, that our ultimate success, our ultimate progress, our ultimate well-being, our ultimate ability to achieve the things that God is calling us to achieve is inextricably linked to those that God has put me in the body of Christ with. I can't escape that fact. And so if I tend to want to just do my own thing or if I tend to want to just get along with people who are, who are like me and ignore the diversity factor, I will find that I, as a person, will be poorer for it. You know, we rise or fall ultimately together. The Bible, you know, the Bible tells us here that we cannot say, I'm not needed. I'm just a foot. What am I compared to the hand? I'm not needed. I don't, we don't have that privilege. We don't have that luxury. Likewise, the hand can't say to the foot, you're not needed because you're not as good as I am. We don't have that luxury either. We just don't have the luxury of opting out or amputating other parts of the body. I mean, think about it. If a body, you know, you want to lose 10 kilos. There's a few ways of doing that. One of them is to cut off your arm. I don't recommend that. To do that is a very short-sighted view of, of weight loss and health. 
Okay, you're going to damage yourself. You'll be worse off for the process. All right, there's other ways to go about it. But again, in the short term, if we've only got a short-term view and we just want a pragmatic you know, uh, approach to this world, it's like, okay, in the short term, what's going to make me feel better? And so, like our friend Mr. Carey, it's sometimes easier to attack other parts of the body or try and amputate other parts of the body or to try and leave the body than it is to, I guess, work through this truth of the fact that we actually need each other. So basically, anything that we do that is, as we've seen, is, is at our own peril. You know, our purpose, ultimately, our protection. You know, there are, there are things that come through being in the church that are protective to us. Some of the things that we have to deal with, some of the advice that we get, some of the encouragement we get, some of the, the practical support that we get as we go through life. I'm not talking about maybe in the next five minutes. I'm talking about in the next five years or five decades. There are going to be things that come from the body of Christ that are going to demonstrate and prove our dependence upon one another. And so our, fulfilling our purpose is a part of that. Our own personal protection and growth are all a part of this, this, this web that God has created and pulled together as the body of Christ. And so our challenge, I guess, is to recognize how I'm dependent upon you. And your job is to recognize how you're dependent upon me and, and how we're dependent upon one another. And if we will take time to process that, rather than get caught up in the moment and, and, and compare people or, or value people by what they can give to me or what they can't or what gifts they might have or what, how charismatic they are or whatever other sorts of things that we tend to do, if we will get past that immature, selfish sort of stuff and we'll begin to look at how, you know, what's God's purpose in all of this and how are we dependent upon one another, well, then we can begin to really appreciate one another. And I think if we will go beyond that, we can actually work out how to actually work together and be effective in this awesome mission that God has called us to, to affect the whole world. Okay, so there's great diversity in the body, and we're dependent upon one another. There are two things that are, provide awesome opportunities, but also massive challenges. And the third thing I want to have a look at this morning, just quickly, is this, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 24, it says, but God has combined the members of the body and given greater honour to the parts that lacked it, so there should be no division. So the third thing we have to look at is this concept of division in the body, for, um, but the parts that should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers. If one part is honoured, every part rejoices with it. And so the potential is for division. You know, there are going to be, in a group of people this size or any size, or never mind the church universal, there is tremendous potential for differences of opinion, there are potential, tremendous potentials for injury and a whole bunch of things like that. But at the same time, there's a great opportunity. There's an opportunity in the midst of the difficulty of coming together with our different experiences, coming together with our different cultures and our different backgrounds and our different temperaments and all of those sorts of things, coming together and bringing those, there's potential for disaster. But there's also the potential to grow and mature through that melting pot that is the church as we learn to submit our will, not just act out of our feelings and our emotions. I think Tone said last week, quoting Ravi Zacharias, the problem is that we think with our feelings. Well, the challenge as Christians is not to get caught up in the pattern of this world, but to go against the flow and to think with our mind that is applied to the Word of God. <clears throat> we see it's about seeking God's will and doing it in His ways. I love the fact that Jesus said, you know, Father, I, I only do what I see... Uh, Sorry, he's talking about wanting to know 
uh, what to say and how to say it. Because we can know what to say, but we may not know how to say it. We might have the, the attitude right, but we might say the wrong thing. So we're, it's, about, it's an opportunity for growth for all of us. But there's a tremendous uh, potential for division. The Corinthians church itself that Paul was writing to, okay, the church in Corinth, okay, a town in Greece, um, was itself riven by, by divisions and factions. And Paul spends much of his time just having to settle them down, calm them down, bring them back to what is true and what is right and what is godly. You know, he starts off by saying, I hear there's divisions amongst you. you know, some say, I follow Paul. Some say, I follow Apollos. Some say, I follow Peter, and so on and so forth. And he says, look, at the end of the day, we all follow Christ. The rest is incidental. Okay, he had, you know, there was immorality. Some people, you know, the whole grace message, it's in the church today. You know, grace is, is something that we have to be thankful to God for. But again, we, as Christians, we seem to get it around our neck. And some take grace to a whole new level where it becomes immorality and license. Others have an understanding that's not about immorality and license, and so they tend to go the opposite direction. It becomes about works and, and, and religious, tedious rules and regulations and everything. And so there's division in the church, and it was in the Corinthian church, and it can be in this church, and it can be across the board in the church. The challenge is coming back to what does God say about this issue? What is the, the, you know, the spirit behind what is written? Okay, there was selfishness, there was worldliness, there was, a, there was offensiveness going on. Even we had, we had um, that part of our service just a little while ago, which we call communion. You know, the sharing of, of a meal together, it's just a little meal here. But, you know, Paul talks about, he had to tell the Corinthians off, can you believe it? Because some people, like they were using wine, and some people were getting drunk during communion. Some people were hogging all the food. I mean, imagine that, if a little... little um, bowl of bread that goes past and the first person grabs it and goes <laughs> that's what was happening and Paul says look you guys can't you at least eat before you come to church have your meals at home and this is about a celebration this is, this is a symbolic moment we're here it's not a meal in that sense alright so there was division in the church and Paul responded simply by writing down things that were God's heart on the matter Okay, and today we have that privilege of having the Bible before us, which is God's communication to man through various people overseen by the Holy Spirit throughout the ages. Okay, so basically his idea was that they would read it, that they would reflect on it, they would put it in view of who God is and what he saved them from and what he's called them to, and they would submit their will and their ways to the will and ways of God, unlike our friend on the screen. If we, the, the Corinthian church was literally, if you could put it in, it was doing what Jim Carrey was doing. Beating itself to pieces. And Paul steps in and says, no, no, no. This is the way it goes. And, and so the, the book, he just unpeels un, different things, challenges different thoughts and ideas and brings some direction. And that's our challenge always. When there's division in the church, when we have a difference of opinion, or when we get injured for some reason, it, it's, the challenge is always not to react out of how we feel um, and you know what our culture is, or or what we've learnt, you know, perhaps at uni or school, or but to bring it back to the Word of God and submit our will to the will of God, the revealed will of God. Okay, and to do that with a spirit of humility, not to do it, not to go to the Word of God so that we can, you know, tear someone to shreds with what we've learnt, but to go with a spirit of humility. Say, God, you know, there's a whole bunch of stuff going on here, but how do I need to respond in this situation? You know, none of us like the pain of disagreement or the pain of, that's hurt through perhaps insensitivity or just people's imperfections. And, you know, we're going to hurt one another. That's the reality. If you're in church long enough, there's going to be stuff that goes down that leaves 
a bad taste in your mouth, if not you know, pain in your heart. That's going to happen. I just want to just quickly, as I finish, or coming to a close, I just mention that there's, you know, there's basically two types of pain. There's good pain and there's bad pain. And I think if we're going to be involved in pain in this church and, and across the church, across the board, let's be involved in the good sort of pain versus the bad sort of pain. What do I mean? Well, I mean the good sort of pain is the t- sort of pain that ultimately promotes healing. Okay? It recognises and commits to doing what is necessary to protect the body. When I was thinking about this, the image that immediately came to mind was when I was about 15 or 16, I used to do speed skating as a sport. And we used to, you know, where Clovercrest Baptist Church is now, that was a skating rink where Tone Metcalf and, you know, we all had a great time when we were teenagers. And, and we used to skate up and down the road outside, Fabrichon Crescent. And we'd skate behind a guy on a motorbike. And obviously it was slow going up the hill, fast going down the hill. And I remember I had a friend once who was a little bit older than me. And he was a bit like our friend Rad. He was quite hairy. <laughs> and... Um, we, we always talk about that, don't we, Rad? It's all right. <laughs> and he was, he was quite a hairy guy. And anyway, at probably about 50 or 60 kilometres an hour, he sits down on the road. Not a smart thing to do. In other words, he fell over. And after the road had chewed through his shorts and began on his backside and legs, you know, he eventually ground to a halt. And then he's left with this matted mess of hair, blood and gravel pitted into his skin. So... What do you do? I mean, you're either gonna, you've got to choose between good pain, good pain or bad pain. The good pain is the pain that promotes ultimate health. The bad pain is what comes after if you don't deal with the initial situation. Okay? And so the good pain involved scrubbing the gravel out of the sore. And then got his wax, legs waxed later on after that as well, which also was a good pain, I guess, for him. Um, <laughs> But the fact of the matter is that if he didn't do that, you know, what would happen is you're going to get a whole bunch of corruption taking place, festering, pus galore, and, you know, and if you leave it unattended, it could go real bad on you. And so that's a, you know, sometimes there's stuff that goes on where there's pain involved, but it's necessary pain in order to promote healing. Good pain, if, we, if we're wanting to operate in this realm of good pain, I think it's about seeking to minimise the pain where possible. Where possible, we don't want to promote pain for pain's sake. We want to minimise it where we can, but we acknowledge that we can't always totally eradicate pain. And again, that's, that's any doctor would, any good doctor would hopefully operate on that premise. If you can eliminate the pain, go for it where you can't, suck it up, this is necessary. And again, so that's about, I guess, a spirit of humility. That's about being sensitive to the needs of others. It's about operating in a spirit of love. The third thing about good pain is, is an attitude that doesn't rejoice in the pain of others. It's about forgiveness. If we've forgiven, we're not rejoicing in someone else's suffering. And ultimately, that pain will result in greater health, in greater strength, in unity, and in purity in the church. The other side of the coin is is the bad pain scenario. And that's where it's not about protecting um, the person, the health of the body. It's about protecting our rights. So bad pain comes when people decide to defend their rights rather than the bigger picture and the name of God. There's no consideration for the broader implications. You know, Paul had to talk to the Corinthians and he said, you guys, he says, I hear that some of you are taking each other to court. Really? You are going before unbelieving judges to sort out matters that even the, even the newest Christian really should be able to make a good call on. 
And so, you know, there's a lack of consideration. People are looking at the church, and the church is becoming a mockery because of the way Christians are conducting themselves, not in-house, but into the world. And again, we need to be careful what we say. You know, there may be people that we're trying to bring to church, but if we go and vent all our dirty, dirty laundry and whinge and complain about people um, in the church, we're actually cutting off our own arm. We're actually doing ourselves a disservice. But the thing is that we'll probably get over it, but those that are looking on, they're vulnerable and they may not get over it. They may never understand because they see, you know, the church doing that thing that everyone knows that that does is, you know, being hypocritical. The bad type of pain comes when people try to maximise the pain where possible. And that's about being insensitive. It's about being pride, proud, uh, prideful and spiteful. It's not about healing a person. It's about trying to make them pay, which is the next point. It's about unforgiveness. It's, it, it comes from a vengeful spirit. When we, when we are rejoicing in someone else's pain, there really is something wrong. And ultimately, it's going to result in sickness. It's going to result in weakness. It's going to result in division and impurity in the body of Christ. If we're all operating out of, you know, what are my rights in this situation? How dare they? Etc. 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 It's going to be very unhelpful to the image that people have of Jesus because we are his physical representation on the earth today. The Holy Spirit is moving wonderfully and powerfully throughout the earth and in through the church. But people see us. People rub shoulders with us. They talk to us. And they make judgments based on what they see, what they hear and what they feel that comes from the church. If we come back to my foot illustration, sometimes my foot has been hurt because of my eye's lack of attention. In fact, Sally Ann does this regularly, like probably daily. She'll bump into a wall and hurt her shoulder. But you know, you've all done that, where you've, where you've kind of, you haven't seen something, you'd, maybe it was a rock on the ground and you've, you've, you've kicked a rock that was there you, you should have seen and you've bent your toenail back or you've flipped the edge of your toe and you've got blood, ha- you know, it's all hanging off and it's, it's one of those really horrible little wounds that sort of just flaps on the end. You know, and like, <laughs> well, I used to live like that when I was a kid, it's horrible. But again, if we bring, come back to our analogy, you know, is it intent? The, the foot could decide to get revenge on the. I mean, that would be difficult. It's certainly for me, I'm not that flexible. But you know, what about if the foot could somehow get two toes and I'll treat you, you, you know, and decide to take revenge on the eye? Like, what's the point of that? At the end of the day, the foot needs to realise that there's far more good. Tone could do it. <laughs> there's far more good that comes to the foot from the eye than there is injury. You know, whenever my eye sees to find a shoe and put it on and help me tie a shoelace, it's protecting the foot. And again, as the body of Christ, broadly speaking, yes, we're going to get hurt every now and then, but there's far more good that comes to us through the church than there is bad. You know, again, if you're part of a connect group, there's going to be people in that group, that that close-knit little fellowship that you have and develop over time. You know, the, the, the really cool thing about that is when you get hurt and, or when you're facing struggles and meals are delivered perhaps or, or people are just in your, on your side and they say, we're praying for you and they're encouraging and they're doing all the things that, that, that friends do when they're supporting one another. But you know, the downside of getting close and connected is that your expectations of those people raise. And so therefore, there are, the potential that they're going to let you down is greater. And so we need to recognise that and we need to keep hold of the good and not get so caught up on what's happening now and the, perhaps the injury that's happening right now. We need to get beyond that. Because we're all doing each other far more good than we are harm. There's amazingly 
awesome things that are happening in and through the church always. And sometimes we can, if we're not careful, we can get caught up in something that's going on. It's affecting us. But for the most part, there's a whole bunch of really amazing things. And we don't want to shut ourselves off. or We don't want to cut others off for the sake of a little bit of injury that we ultimately, if we come back to the Word of God, we can get through and we will get through. We need to see things through the lenses of our own frailty. Again, it's easy to, to get self-righteous. It's easy to jump up and down and claim our rights and, you know, I wouldn't do this or I wouldn't. But the reality is we're all frail. We all mess up. Becoming a Christian isn't an instant ticket to perfection. Every one of us struggles. You know, we don't do the things we want to do. We do the things we don't want to do. And as a result, we hurt people as well as people hurting us. They need forgiveness. We don't want to give it. Let's remember that we need forgiveness and we would love it. Let's remember that we can't do this alone. We're actually dependent upon each other in a very practical and powerful way that will become more and more evident the longer we do this journey together. Let's make a commitment to getting along together. Let's make a commitment to working together. And if we will do that, I believe that we will genuinely and really, where it's not already happening, we'll go to love, to love one another. You know, love can be something that's ethereal. It can be something that starts off as an action. But the longer you do life together, the, the more the love grows, the more the appreciation grows. And I believe that's what Paul is talking about. And that's what Paul is wanting when he talks about this body illustration, not the sort of thing that we saw on the screen a little while ago. We are the visible representation of Jesus Christ. The Bible talks about the fact that he is the head. That means that he sets the agenda. It means he needs to be at the center of our decision-making. It means that his mission ultimately needs to be our priority. As people look on, what do they see? I hope, and I, look, I, and I believe for the most part they do, they see something of the beauty and magnificence of Christ. I just hope that the longer we're around as a church and as the church, universal, that we can sort out our stuff, that we can come back to the Word of God, we can put our opinions aside, and that we can be the visible representation of Jesus on the earth, that when people see us, they would have a fairly good idea of what Jesus is like. And you know, as they see me, they're going to see some failings in me, but as I stand next to you, the failings in me are covered by the presence of you. And that's the way it should be. In our togetherness, we most fully and beautifully represent Christ. In our individuality, there's too much that's hanging out. There's too much that is still a work in process. But when we come together, we can either come together and let all the bad stuff hang out or we can pull all the Christ-likeness and people can come to church and faith and hope can be sparked in their lives and ultimately, salvation can be theirs. This is the end of the message. Thank you for taking the time to listen and God bless.